I'm Chuck Norris, and I approve this game. Between the time when gamers play with miniatures and chainmail, and the rise of the Wizards of the Coast, there was an age of advanced role-playing undreamed of. And onto the Skygas, destined to bear the jeweled crown of TSR upon a troubled brow. It was given to teach us all how to roll for initiative. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! The Roll for Initiative podcast, volume number three, issue number 135. DM Vince sitting with DM Matt. Hello, everyone. DM Chad. Yo. DM Nick. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And uh, we're doing our second show of 2014, even though it didn't sound like the last one was done in 2014, but it wasn't. So trust us, it was. It was, sure. Yeah, Matt edited it in 2014, so that counts. Exactly. (laughs) We are Time Lords. Uh, Yeah. As far as you know. Was. Yeah. Was. And Oscar the Grouch is a Time Lord, just so you know. Very true. Very true. Ah. So, uh, did there. All right. So. Who's seen The Hobbit 2? Nope. Yes. I have not, but I think I know how it ends if it's following a yeah. book. I know someone that was an extra in it, wow. but I haven't seen it. So, really? Kim Kardashian? Is it Kardashian? No. According to South Park, she's a hobbit. <laughs> well, one of my friends actually moved to New Zealand and became a resident, and uh, she got in as a hobbit in the cool. film. She got in the New Zealand as a hobbit. Yeah, she, she, yeah, that's requirement uh, to get that's into one New way Zealand. To get past customs. So the Peter Jackson law. I've heard about it. Exactly. They knew the movie was coming <laughs> up, so they were just letting the hobbits flood the country. Okay. Well, first thing, first thing about the next, the newest movie that came out. I don't think they need to have three movies to do this book. So that's my first thing to say. Nick, did you like the movie at all? I liked it. I can I can um, enjoy the movie on its own merits. Are you nerd raging over it? No. Oh, no. As far as like how it, how many of these so-called Tolkien experts on the web are saying, this differentiates from the source material heresy, heresy? No. Yeah. It's, it, I'm fine with it. It's a, yeah. I enjoyed it. For me, it felt more – it was Tolkien, but it felt more like watching a D&D type movie to me. As if, if they finally did a D&D, D&D movie correctly, that was a movie for D&D right there. So I was, that's why I was okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Wizards of the Coast, pay attention. That's how you make a D&D movie. Mm-hmm. Not this other crap that they put out. <laughs> that required their D&D movies to have a budget. Well, yeah. <sighs> yeah, but I liked the film. I, I went with my daughter. She thoroughly enjoyed it. And at the very end, I'm like, what? That's it? No. <laughs> I just think it's always funny because if you look at the uh, – Tolkien was a huge correspondence person, and and he literally wrote a letter that you can read uh, where he talks about how the one thing he refused to do was sell the rights of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings to Hollywood because he he said the Americans would turn it into an action movie, and he wouldn't have that. And now we have Frodo action figures. Yeah. So 
It's a movie. That's the point of it. You're supposed to go. You're supposed to be entertained. Well, it's supposed to have fun. And Tolkien didn't live forever. He isn't cryogenically frozen like Walt Disney. Exactly. So, yeah, he missed the bus. <laughs> the Tolkien on that estate one. must go on. They must make money. And therefore, that's why you have Bilbo Baggins action figures. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm actually okay with the whole thing. You know, I always ref- I always think back to Mystery Science Theater 3000. You know, <laughs> yes. It's all part of the song. You know, if you're worried about the science, you just sit back and relax. It's just a movie, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's it, and I I can understand those people who are considered Tolkien aficionados, Pierce, whatever, because I do appreciate Tolkien. Who is a gamer has not read any of Tolkien's work. I mean, come on. But it, it, the I, film I, is fine for what it is. Yeah. But there's one scene that I just saw a lot of nerd rage over. Was that barrels in the water scene? Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't seen it, by the way. So if, Chad, if, you've seen, if you've read the book, which you said you've done, then you know. Well, oh, I've read the book. So, so you're saying it follows the book. It follows the book very loosely. But there's one scene where they're traveling down the river in the barrels. Apparently, they're outside the barrels, hanging in the barrels, like down the river. Instead, in the I guess in the book they were they were if I remember correctly they were sealed inside the barrels. That was different. All of them were sealed. This one, in this one, sealed. they were inside yeah. barrels, but they were kind of okay. Well, they Bilbo sealed in. was they the only one. In. Yeah, Bilbo was the only one who was not in a barrel. Right. He was hanging on to it. He sealed all the dwarves in barrels. Right. Well, yeah. This in this one they were all hanging out and kind of uh, killing orcs along the way. Well, no, they were all in barrels. They just weren't sealed in. Yeah, they weren't sealed in. Is what I mean. And I saw a lot of nerd rage over that. I was like, who cares? It'd be kind of boring watching battles fly down a river. It's like these guys are saying, unless they went over Niagara Falls. The the dwarves' beards aren't as long as they should be, according to Tolkien. You know, they should have been down to, like, his belt. And, and, like, please get over yourselves. All right. Wait, you have to do do the uh, fanboy geek uh, voice when you do that, Nick. That was not cool at all. Yeah. (laughs) That was not accurate. It was not accurate in in the least. And Legolas definitely got too many critical hits in that movie. So many critical hits. I think when he said it was loaded. Yeah, and the the next biggest complaint was that Legolas had way too many critical hits according to D&D rules. Oh, my God. Really? he had was amazing. Well, he had a lot of karma built up, and he was using them to make critical hits. Yeah. Great. You're worried about how many critical hits Legolas had. I think you missed the boat. The guy wasn't even in the Right. It's not like Peter Jackson sitting here rolling dice. Okay. Oh, he got a critical. Oh, there's another critical. Please. It's a movie. Bilbo hit his hide in shadows perfectly every time. Well, uh, invisibility does aid in that. No, I'm talking about. Um, well, I won't ruin it for you, Chad. Was he hiding from the dragon? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, in the book, of course, he was invisible during that whole. Yeah, I've been reading piece, posts but... about this on certain websites well, he and took how took off a bunch of times rage. to hide. Yeah, the nerd rage is just ridiculous. Mm. People take so... this stuff way too serious. It's a movie, people. So it's 2014. And there's another stupid vampire movie coming out soon. Boo! Uh, (laughs) Blah! Vampire Academy starts very soon. Oh, God. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the. Oh, my God. What have they done? They have now merged Harry Potter with Twilight? Yes. Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. They also have another ripoff Hunger Games coming out very shortly. Yes, yeah. Divergent. 
Yeah, something like that. I, was no, I understand the books are actually pretty good. Uh, well, the Hunger Games. In middle school, oh, yeah, I lo- loved Hunger Games. I'll fully admit, great dystopian future setting. But then now, like other authors, I guess, are jumping on the bandwagon. They have this one called Divergent. Written the same style. Pretty much. First person is apparently the best way to go now. But I guess well, hey, everybody did that with Harry Potter too. As soon as it was over, you had every everybody else was doing their own Harry Potterish work. But I got to look at it this way too. On the other side, you know what? If it gets, you know, preteens and teens actually reading, yeah, that's good. what? That's that's such a bad deal, right? And it might get them interested in other types of of books and literature. Hey, it's I'll whatever for what it's worth. You know, if it gets the kids reading books, I'm I'm all for it. Right. Well, I'm all for you know I'm I mean I'm all for anything that'll get kids reading. I just I guess one of my pet peeves has always been that it feels like in the last century, you know, we have really dumbed down our our degree of of literary. Right. What we you know we have lowered the bar when right. it comes to literary. Yes, skills. you are absolutely. Yeah, correct. because everything's becoming more derivative, and it's all about uh, mass market appeal. At which point you do lower it because you're trying to appeal to the widest base as possible. It's the lowest common denominator. When I was in junior high, we read The Hobbit for English class. So, hey. Now, see, I read The Hobbit when I was in the fourth grade, and yet I I, I yeah, read someplace too. that the average fantasy sci-fi book that's out today is written on a fourth grade level. Um, it's like the average newspaper is written at like a seventh grade level. Well, I think lower than that now. Yeah. At one point in time, right. It's probably dropped. I mean, well, I think the New York post is written by first graders actually. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry, New York post. when I saw it written in crown, I just, you know, I said, all right, that's it. But but you do have to give like the National Enquirer and the tabloids for when it comes to the creative aspect. They're actually can be qu- quite amusing. I really though miss the Weekly World News. Oh, oh wow! They did make a Broadway musical about it though. So the Enquirer is good for making up uh, horror sci-fi games. Yeah, you get yes. great ideas from that. Absolutely, we- right. Weekly World News was the best for that. Bat Boy. Oh my God! Bat Boy was like on the cover every month. Right? They yeah. Once they developed the Bat Boy character, they saw it sold uh, issues, so they just kept running with or, it. Or something like the the or, breakthrough watermelon popcorn diet. And then, <laughs> or Satan is revealed in like a piece of toast or something. Holding hands. I, I, President I, shakes hands with aliens. Photos to prove it. About yep. the only newspapers I read anymore is the Onion. So. <laughs> yeah. Print is dead. I don't, no. Print newspaper is pretty much gone because everybody yeah. gets is from the internet now. Yeah. Right. It's just too I mean, slow. I'm sure people pick up a newspaper still, and I'm, nothing wrong with that. If you want to do that, great. Yeah. Just don't pick up the post. <laughs> I pick one up every now and then. I see spiders, and I pick up the newspaper and swat them. It's great for that. Freaks. I, I get it with the coupons. <laughs> Yes, that's why we're buying <laughs> All right. coupons. Speaking of divergent, <laughs> right? We really diverged. Well, no, we're we're just talking about an evolving medium, in which that actually ties into the uh, our topic for today, because it's actually an evolution of uh, gaming for those who couldn't quite uh, gather around a table. Really, you're stretching it. I'm like- sure. Hey, it involved written <laughs> word that evolved into electronic. Stretching it there, but okay. <laughs> yes. 
let's go into some sage advice. Sage advice. Sage advice. Uh, this week we have a couple emails and a voicemail. If you want to call us, 570-865-4210, the hotline, or rfistaff at gmail.com. So let's start off with our voice. Or, or if we could get reviews from iTunes, everybody. Yeah, Nick's lonely. He needs something to read. Hmm. Well, we haven't had any iTunes reviews since October. So if everybody could just go out there, let us know how we're doing on the show. If there's something. Also, if you want to post a review, something you'd like to hear, you can put that there too on iTunes. So Yeah. Be the first person to post a re- review of 2014, and Nick will read it out loud. I will, in the voice of Sean Connery, RFI <laughs> <Nah>. staff. <laughs> I'd say you read it as Christopher Walken. That's your best voice. Well, why? <laughs> yes, first review of 2014 <laughs> is written is read as Christopher Walken. There, Matt, remember that one. Got it. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> I'd like to hear Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, uh, we don't have. Uh, see, this is a this is all ages podcast. <laughs> to, to, we, we, yeah, I listened, and I'll listen again. Beep beep beep. Yep. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I didn't get the uh, beeping sensor sound in bulk yet, so <laughs> I need to uh, yeah work on that. I was an F a Jedi. They killed me. <laughs> a shark ate me. <laughs> I yell. This is how I talk. I still love the credit card commercials. Yeah, I noticed they changed his credit card commercial. It used to say the word "damn" in it. Now it doesn't say it anymore. <laughs> well, I used to look. Was it the Samuel L. Jackson beer on the? Uh, uh, yeah, that was on Chappelle's show. <laughs> Drink Sam- my beer. It'll get you drunk. <laughs> I'm screaming the Samuel L. Jackson beer. Oh my god, Chappelle show. Anyway. First voicemail, 5708654210. We'll play that. Mute your microphones, guys. Let's play this. Hey, guys. Just started the show on Elves, and you were talking about how uh, one of the boundaries of a, Gr- a Grugach elf character would be um, that he has to remain with his tribe or this being outcast. And, and it seems like a, a really good role play challenge, something that you could build into someone's character. Like, like when we're first introduced to Chewbacca, he's. Um, he owes Han Solo his life, and they, you know they've, they've become friends and, and compatriots. But there's a life debt there. Uh, and then there's other scenarios like why would I would say someone could be a Grugat self, but you'd make it a role play challenge for them so that you know, like Doctor Who is the last of his kind because he he he, uh, he believes that he had to kill off his entire race to end the war, and so he. he part of how the, the actors who have played him since then have had to factor that guilt and that, that burden within their personality as they portray the character doing other things too. So I, I'm not saying that someone who plays a Grugats would have to be guilty for killing them all, but, but, but it, it's, it's the theme of the thing that, that uh, they could play a Grugats elf, but they have to come up with a reason why he would be in with and remain in an adventuring party. And then, role play that in the character throughout and and it, it could become a fun kind of a, like an acting challenge like a creative writing challenge sort of thing anyway love you guys so much love the show take care 
He loves us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Doctor Who didn't want to kill his whole race. He felt he owed it to them. <laughs> yes. But he has some good thoughts about the... Uh, so the Grugash are the Wookiees of AD&D. Yeah, pretty much. Or okay. the Tiggers of Pooh <sighs> Corner. Wow, that was kind of scary. Yeah. Nick was was it gar- too close? <laughs> no, you were gargling, it sounded like. Okay, yeah, you're right. Edit that out. Anyway. Uh, nope. Leaving it in. Nope. Damn. We may have to make it a drop. Oh. Uh, yes, it could be a drop <laughs> in the beginning of every show. Nick doing that sound. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are good ideas that he came yeah. up with. Just Yeah, no, I, I think they're good ideas. I, mm-hmm. I actually do think that's a good idea that you could have perhaps you you know perhaps you saved this Grugach elves life and in their kind of tribal uh philosophy he does have a life debt to you now right mm-hmm. yeah yeah or, great ideas it's like i i actually have started my first session is always character creation and that way all my players sit around the table and work out their backgrounds and then that's when they can interweave that type of stuff into their characters. And when you get two players that really get a good buy-in on that, I think it works better. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I like it. I, so good stuff. Okay, cool. First email comes in from Graham. This actually was not an email. It came from Facebook, actually a comment on Facebook about the, Hey guys, get rid of Nick. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) He's we didn't not- want to get rid of Nick. We felt we owed it to him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I just love that line from okay. uh, Caddyshack. Yeah. I, like- I put many young boys in the chair. I didn't want to. I felt I owed it to them. So I like you. You'll die last. Don't worry. Well, we're waiting. Anyway. Hey, guys. Love the show. I recently started playing first edition game as a DM. have never DM'd before. Only been a player. And I've started to realize that I played in my younger days with a mishmash of first edition basic D&D. I'm sure I'm not the first. No, you're not the first. Would you guys consider doing a show or a segment on combat rounds? Having it walked through, commented on, especially what rules you use or don't use, would be tremendously helpful. I know you already did this show on Surprise, but that kind of assumed a working knowledge of combat. I would like to hear some more from the ground up especially since the rules are so spread out through several books. I've read DM Prada's ADDICT addict document, but hearing a discussion would be much so much more helpful. Thanks, guys. P.S. If you're ever down in Austin's way, give us a shout. Not three hours for me. Too far. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, let's go kind of around the table here about talking about combat. Uh, Chad, you want to start first on your combat? Because I don't think we've ever really heard your combat for how you handle combat. Yeah, I wasn't actually there for that show. Uh, well, I mean, I handle it pretty much straight out of the DMG. I think I do. Uh, you know, the first thing I do is I say, all right, uh, after I introduce the uh, the threat, you might say, I then stop and kind of look at everybody and I say, all right, we're about to begin combat. So I need to know what everybody's doing. And once everybody tells me what they're doing, at that point, we do initiative. Uh, I I will roll for a surprise if I think that's appropriate. Uh, and you know, at that point, you know, once I know the initiative round, 
and I know what they're going to do. So they can't go back now and say, oh, I lost an initiative. Oh, well, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm like, <laughs> sorry, that's what you do. Uh, then I pretty much go, you know, missiles first, ma- uh, magic spells, missiles, uh, missiles, magic spells, uh, and then melee. Okay. And do you use uh, any of that adjusted combat stuff? Armor class versus whatever the hell it's called. Oh, <laughs> weapon yeah. versus armor class adjustment? Yeah, yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I don't get that in, you know, I don't do that. I, I, I take to speed things up. Uh, because I do most of my most of my regular gaming is done via play by post because it just fits my my schedule the best right now. Uh, and so I will to speed things up, I will take whoever has the best reaction adjustment and then I will roll a party initiative using that person's uh, reaction adjustment. And then, you know, and we'll do that every round. It's a new round, and, and we'll roll a party initiative versus a monster, uh, an opponent initiative. Uh, but I don't do so much the, okay, if you're using a halberd against plate mail, let's see here. No, I don't, I don't, because they just slow things down even more. And the same when I'm doing convention play, I, I just don't use it. it I, I want to keep things moving as quickly as possible, and I don't even use an individual initiative during convention play. I use party initiative versus monster initiative, and it just keeps things so much simpler. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. Okay, uh, Matt, what about you? Well, for initiative, I go individual initiative. Okay. So, And i actually been letting my players just declare what they're doing as they come up in the initiative order. If they cast a spell or something, I'll actually keep track of the segments for it to go off. And same with uh, Missile Fire, I actually keep track of that. But other than that, it's I'm just like, everyone roll your initiative. Oh, okay, I rolled this. Put them in order. What are you doing? Next. So you kind of do it like the D20 method almost. Yeah, it's closer to a D20 method, except I'm ac- I actually do keep track of segments when needed. <laughs> so do keep track. <laughs> like the D20 people don't. Like, ah, screw it. We don't need to keep track. Yeah. What you're saying okay nick um i pretty much do it very similar to how matt does it uh i use a d10 initiative for everybody everybody does initial uh, individual initiative and with any mo- dex modifiers of course that's probably because of your hack master days right yeah and that's how they did it and and that's kind of like yeah. that was kind of derived from second edition ad and d Right. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of I'm most comfortable with, and it yeah. works pretty well. So, I think the only other things is like if you, I, I say if you're going to cast a spell, you announce it. If you're going to cast a spell, and if you're going to do a missile weapon, you don't have to roll initiative. Your your miss if it's a bow, it goes off on you can fire on initiative uh, segment one and on segment six. If it's if it's a single ray of fire, you can fire on segment one. So, and magic, yeah, they announce they're going to do a spell. They'll announce it at the beginning of initiative, how many segments it goes off. Yeah, and and that's how it's pretty much uh, done. I mean, yeah, and, and I I would add in that when it comes to magic spells, uh, you know, it's like. They begin casting on the party initiative. If it's mm-hmm. a if it takes three segments to get the spell off, then they're going to have to wait three segments 
after party initiative before the spell actually goes off. And if the monster or opponent goes on, you know, the segment right after them and, and strikes that magic user, his spells history. I kind of do, depending on the game, how I'm feeling that uh, game when I start it, I can either just use the basic D&D rules for combat, or I've, if I've done the method that Jason and I spoke about a long time ago, when you do the reverse, rolling a D6, the lowest goes first, that side goes first, Yeah. Mm-hmm. segments get added to that number, and that's when, for say a spell has a five segments, and say you roll the one for your party side, the spell will go off on segment five. Yeah, that's how I do it too. So you roll lowest first, then? Yeah, lowest is best. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah mine is too. Yeah, lowest is best. I, highest is best with me. Well, according to the book, highest is best, and that's how you work from right. there. But I've always used the lowest is best, especially after Jason and I spoke about it. It, it kind of made more sense when we did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so- it works well for me because, I mean, it's you're, you're taking in – if you want to use weapon speed, which I have done in one campaign – uh, which makes a two-handed sword. The guy who's wielding that is always going last. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, and for spell casting and if you're using weapon speed, I think lowest first is the best because it's just the most intuitive. You just add that number to whatever their initiative is. Also, you got to keep it, uh, you have the, was it, the reaction adjustment modifier. So right. it could actually, I've had it many times where I've had, Person playing a thief, they got a high enough dex with their, they got a good roll on their initiative with reaction adjustment. They're in the uh, negatives as far as initiatives concerned. I only use reaction adjustment when it comes to individual um, uh, initiative. Well, that's how I do. I do an uh, individual initiative. I do it to my group, so if it, but sometimes they wander off and get killed, but they wander off and uh, on their own. <laughs> <laughs> wander off and get killed. <laughs> yeah, I think when I was uh, gaming back in the day under other DMs, I always remember, you know, our general format was that he would say, you know, anybody got under a zero, and yeah. if you had a negative – say, oh, I got a negative one initiative this round. All right, what are you doing? <laughs> You know, uh, of course, I don't think he asked for actions first, but, but yeah. essentially, yeah, they would just say, you know, anybody got under a zero. OK, now we're hitting zeros, ones, twos, threes, mm-hmm. and you chime out when it came up to your. Exactly. Number. And that's that's how I do it. And unfortunately, when you do actions ahead of time and sometimes people pick the same creatures to hit at the same time, their action will go into killing the same creature. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how it works. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and I look at it this way: you guys didn't exactly have time to format a plan before you got jumped by eight kobolds, you know, or, or hobgoblins. I would probably more likely say, but uh, and that happens, you know. I mean, yeah. if you really were bum rushed by a group of of things that were trying to kill you, you may very well end up having two people attacking the same thing. Yep. Mm. Cool. I've never actually looked at Addict or ADD ICT because A, it was like 30-something pages long. And I don't need my combat that complicated. Neither do I. I, I, I like mean, to I keep it moving. supposed to help make things easier, but I didn't want to read through all yeah. that, my combat easier. I knew how to do combat. And I, really, when it comes to this game, 
the players don't have to know the rules of combat. They just say what they're doing, and it's the DM's job to decipher them into game mechanics. So you don't. It's only people that were worried about min maxing their characters that really get bogged down into the math of combat. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't yeah. really think the players. You know, I'll have people at conventions who will say. Do I need to know how to play this game to be in your game? I always say, no, you don't have to know. Do you know how to tell me what you're doing? I'll figure out the rules. Right. Don't worry about it. Exactly. I, yeah, I will yell at you what die you need to roll, and I will decipher everything else. Your job is to have fun. That's if my 13-year-old daughter can figure it out, anybody can figure it out. When I was running Marvel here locally, a couple people were like, do I need to know how to play? I'm like, no. Do you know how to roll two 10-sided dice? Yes. That's all you need to do, and tell me what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And they never played a role playing game before. Jumped in the game and were having fun. So, I, honestly, I think those people are some of the best people to to play with because you know they're not doing that whole meta gaming angle. You know, right. they're they're doing probably a more realistic approach to what would really happen. They're they're telling you what they would do. They're not trying to figure the angles. Right. right, they have no preconceived notions and ideas of what they need to do. They're just like, okay, I'll just go with the flow and have fun, yep. which it should be. <laughs> yeah, and, and the girl. Oh, I agree. Had fun. So. Yep. Thanks, Graham. Uh, next one comes in from Henry, and the question is: Hey guys, question: When a group finds a magical weapon and it's not fully charged, do they get the same experience points as if it was fully charged, or does the character only get a fraction of it? Thanks, Henry. Hmm. Officially, I guess the, I don't really see an official rule on that, but from what I've been told in the past, that it, they get a fraction of the experience points based on how many charges are left. Most DMs don't really do that; they just kind of just say, "Okay, worth fifteen hundred, they get fifteen hundred because that's what the item is." But then I guess if they find a magic weapon has zero charges in it, that would be not considered a magical weapon anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't radiate magic anymore. It wouldn't be, yeah, it'd be fizzle, no good. So I guess that basically would work then, that that kind of... If you want to do the math, when I'm no math genius, I just that's just too complicated for me. Yeah. For me, it, it just seems like it would slow things down. And half the time, if I'm handing out magic items to the point where it would really matter, I'm trying to get my players leveled up rather quickly for whatever reason. So therefore, I'm going to give them the full. <laughs> yeah, I am too. It's just yeah. It's just easier. The same here. I mean, my my philosophy is always if it slows down the, the progress of the game, don't do it. So I, I I give them the full experience points, you know, assuming it's still magical. Yeah. I'm always for the roll a D6. Let's figure it out. And worry about it later type person. No need to slow the game down. Right. But if you want to, I mean, if if, if this person wants to figure it out, I mean, by all means, you can. There's there's nothing yeah. holding you back. Right. I, I think officially from Gary, he believed he did was if it was part charges were left, you base it off right. fraction yeah. of. But I don't think it was actually officially written. It could have been. And I'm sure someone's going to say, oh, my God, I'm freaking out right now. It's on page. Right. And they have the book open and, then, you know, they're they're crying over it right now. So I'm sure yeah. someone knows something about that. It, These it, are probably the same people who cried over the second Lord of Hobbit film. <laughs> But the barrels were sealed inside the book. Your beards weren't long enough. There's that guy again. He's everywhere. I, I just want to hear Christopher Walken freak out over that. Okay. Why? Why beards not long enough on dwarves? Why? 
I just love that. They look like hipsters. Why? Short, four foot tall hipsters. It's like going to a Star Trek movie and, and the people who just saw it coming out, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe Picard had his uniform looking like that and the bridge was just not the same. It's like, shut up. It's just a movie. Yeah. That's oh. right. It's, it's just a movie. It's just a game. If you want to do percentages of the XP, go for it. Anyway. Thanks, Henry. Our last email comes in from Tig. I guess he's from the Sons of Anarchy. I don't know. Either that or he's friends with Pooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Guys, our group was talking and wondering the following, and bear with me on this one because it sounds kind of weird. And I think I've seen this posted somewhere too, Nick. You you might have as well uh, because we've been in a lot of forums. Our group was talking about and wondering the following. If a human is drained to, to below zero level by a white or vampire, he rises half strength white or vampire under the slayer's control now if a human drained to below zero by an energy drain spell rises as a juju zombie zombia why do you put zombia i don't know zombia so what happens to a human level a uh, human drained below level zero by a succubus thanks <laughs> they die they yeah. die i i don't know the person is really happy. I have no idea. You could take it in so many different ways. Yes, I know. Uh, they come back as a larva. A harem? Ooh, that would be nasty. They come back <laughs> as a larva. the closest comparison. Oh, man, that would be so... Oh. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner right there. Yeah. Come back as a larva. Yeah, that's... That that goes beyond the answer of a PG podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I well, I guess there's two ways you can look at. It. Like we said, either one, they die, just their soul goes on to Nirvana or the Valhalla. twin paradises or Valhalla, wherever yeah. lawful one they went to, whatever. Or they come they back become as a larva. I like the larva angle. Yeah, I, I like it. But I mean, here's the the counter argument: What if you were lawful good and always followed your alignment? Tough noogies. Then you shouldn't have gone down into the nine hells. How good is that? Right. There you go. You shouldn't be drained by a succubus. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What were you doing with a woman like that anyway? You couldn't have been that good. Yeah. You couldn't detect evil and figure it out? You yeah. paladin? Yep. So I guess that's going to end Sage Advice this week with uh, emails. RFIstaff at gmail.com or 570-865-4210, the hotline. Contact us on Facebook, um, facebook.com slash RFI podcast. Go to our website, RFIPodcast.com, and there is a contact form there so you can email us directly in case you can't get your email for some odd reason. I don't know why, but whatever. Contact us uh, via the phone, 570-865-4210. And, and, uh, oh, yeah, go on iTunes because Nick needs something to read in Christopher Walken's voice. I think I've Oh, Overstar Gaming Forums. Uh, go there if you'd like to just communicate with everybody. We have a nice little small community there for all the podcasts, including the new up-and-coming uh, Dead Game Society podcast, which will be airing very shortly, hopefully. Yay! Once we One get would to hope. Call. Yeah. <laughs> that is our hope. Yes. Uh, oh, and uh, Critical Wits finally came out with the show. <gasps> Shut up. Crispy and his friend are back, and they uh, have a new show that was recorded over the summer that finally came out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess he was busy. Wow, they're going to the like the BBC method of putting out shows, huh? 
he he promises i was speaking to him the other day he promises there's he was editing another show should be out very shortly he's so. a big fan of boston isn't he <laughs> yes 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 so that is a band that has been around longer than any other band that can only put out three albums in their entire two decades. <laughs> Boston's awesome, man. They just want to get it right, man. Yeah. Well, it's the show that like Guns N' Roses is promising that album for 14 years and finally oh, released it. Chinese democracy. <laughs> and it's tanking, but at least his show didn't tank, so. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it gets really bad to the point when Dr. Pepper says, if they finally release the album, we'll give everybody a free Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't want to give it to them. We felt we owed it to them. Yeah, we felt we owed it to them. <laughs> the album was so horrible that nobody even bothered buying it. Anyway, let's go into our first segment. Typical of all the evil creatures in the world, we like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. Table manners, table manners, table manners. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, play-by-post, play-by-email, and play-by-snail mail this week. A lot of people still kind of do these things, even though uh, it's people, most people are like, why bother? Because we could just go on the internet and play on Roll20. Yes, that was my snob voice. Yes. <laughs> it's it really good. Hey, I'm one of those people who still does play-by-post. No, and there's nothing wrong with play-by-post. Maybe you have, you know, a life. <laughs> well, and uh, you have children, and you have a wife, and you just don't have time to sit around and game like everyone else. I mean, nothing wrong with that. You know, you have your thing. So what do you do? You resort to what you can do to still get that gaming experience. Get your gaming fix. Yeah, and to get your gaming, get your fix, game on. It's something. Get your game on. It's something that we used to do before online tools such as Roll Twenty or uh, Web RPG, Open RPG, App Tools, or even chat boards, or chat boards, even live chat or well, Internet Relay chat was around back yeah. then. But mud, mud, things like that. So a lot of times people resorted to let's start with play by mail, actual snail mail. Now, Matt and I are experiencing that because we <laughs> we took place in that IWA, was it, Matt? Uh, I never actually played, but I knew about it, and it actually is still in existence for those uh, that subscribe. IWA, pretty much you would pay like a buck or two, mm-hmm. and you would pick your wrestler, and uh, you would put his moves down on a piece of paper, and you would also put down like a little like a promo blurb. Right. And uh, hopefully you spelled right and everything was grammatically yes. correct. Now, obviously, they would probably fix it, but. Then you name your character, and then probably within a month or so, you get an email, a giant email letter back. Email, sorry. Giant letter back in the mail that has all the results of everything and kind of did like a play-by-play wrestling type thing. That was kind of fun. Yep. Interesting, but uh, too slow. Yeah, and it still exists, and if you want to sign up, you still have to actually mail their P.O. box, so they're keeping it real. You can't even automate it, send – you can't even fill out a form online to enter you have to physically write it out and mail it to them is it uh, iwa.com or play iwa.com wow wow yeah i wonder if that's just an old website is it has current news on it or um it has copyright 2014 so yeah uh, but it could be one of those scripts that aren't well actually up. no it actually has a let's see date updated one two th- 13 league champions 
Okay, I was going to say, because if you made an action and a year later you're still waiting for the <laughs> uh, result, you yeah. might be on a dead site. Yeah. Yep, nope, it's still real. If you go on their main page, I've just found all the updates. Uh, let's see, one one fourteen, one one fourteen Hall of Fame, new inductee. Yeah, so it's still up. Crazy. Hmm. Yeah, it's... I- I'm looking at it now. Yeah, it's old. Well, I know like like regular play by mail is about as old as you know gaming can get. I mean, I think it's practically older than Dragon Magazine, isn't well, it? Well, yeah. I mean, the original play by mail was done forever with chess. Yeah, with chess. You know, you had people who would they would mail each other and their moves, and then then I know like. Um, in the fifties and really into the sixties, did you have play by mail for war games? Like, um, I know when Axis and allies or not Axis and allies came out, but, uh, diplomacy. Well, diplomacy. Yeah. I was going to say they used it. Yeah. Diplomacy for sure. Yeah. I, I, I also did, uh, a Hyborian war play by mail. Yeah. I remember the advertisements in dragon magazine for those. Yeah. I sent away for it. Got my first packet and never actually played, but the map it came with was really pretty sweet. And uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. You can actually find the uh, some ref the someone scanned the map in, and the map was giant, and it's a thing of glory. It just breaks down every province and territory of the world. And- yeah, I know Dragon for a while had a section on play by mail stuff. Yeah, They'd review play by mail games and talk mm-hmm. about certain strategies i guess uh, but i remember some of the games like you talked about hyborian war there was a star trek play by mail game looks like there was a forgotten realms one I, there might have been one yeah, yeah actually I, I do remember the star trek one yeah. i remember they had always some really big like one page layouts for those in dragon magazine yeah i just put the forgotten realms one in the uh our chat and i'll put a link to it you put Fotten Realms. Yes, the Fotten Realms. <laughs> the Fotten Realms. Fotten Realms. <laughs> they fought around. Sounds like something else they're doing in the realms, but yeah, okay. So, oh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Nick. So, so anyway, many magic beans. Yeah. Beans, yeah. Uh, so as time went on, uh, things evolved, and we had something called uh, Prodigy AOL Compute. Com, I believe. CompuServe. So thank you. And then we started getting Prodigy. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. People started getting access to things such as email. Dun dun dun. Internet. Yeah. So then people started doing email play by email on your ninety six hundred baud phone modem. Ninety six. I remember suction cup modems for three hundred or one hundred board modems. Whoa. Yeah. I had a friend that went in college that used to go, I hacked the Pentagon with a 300 board modem. We used to always call him a liar, too. Well, he wouldn't be alive. He'd probably be dead and shot by the government if he hacked the Pentagon. Or at least yeah, not- he would be dead first, then shot by them. Yeah. Has anybody else, by the way, seen the commercial where they try to sell voice over IP to old people and they say, You now have the most powerful tool at your t- fingertips the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I I swear that's how they say it, and and you know they're advertising this old. I don't trust it. It's people. the government getting into my brain. No, it's the Google. I don't like the Google. I don't like the Google. 
So people used to start doing uh, multiple email addresses in one big giant send and start doing play by email, which would be the similar to play by mail, except it was very quick because you would get emails daily. And I think the time AOL servers, Prodigy, and CompuServe CompuServe servers would do emails once. Was it real time or was it once every twenty four hours? It was real time. It was real time, I believe. I don't remember exactly, but uh, I remember it did take a little while for some of the emails to go through. Uh, evolving with email came, uh, what do they call them? Something like the email I, list. Email yeah. list is called. Where Yahoo Groups is now currently what it's called. Uh, back in 95, 6, it was called One List, which was you would go to the onelist.com. And uh, you would be able to sign up and have your own email massive distribution list. So you would only have to email, say, go to the group, store there, and then boom, shoot out to everybody at once. And then the people surrounding the group would just have to hit reply, boom, goes back to the group, keeps a copy, sends it back out. Hmm. So it was kind of easier that way. Uh, I did run on one list, and then which became eGroups, which then got bought out by Yahoo. So I did run a campaign on there for uh, called House on Horror Hill, my own version of it, and it did actually get voted by Yahoo for uh, second best horror game of 2000. Wow. Golf yeah. clap. If you can't hear it, I am doing it. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal. <laughs> it was just something nice. Actually, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of. And as more people became, I guess as the internet evolved and more people were easily to get online besides AOL, started becoming what DSL started coming around. So people stopped using AOL and laughed at people using AOL. And people were able to get to websites without using, you know, other things. So forums started for showing up. The first place for forums that I can remember correctly, look, thinking about for play-by-post now, was EasyBoard. I don't know what year EasyBoard started, but I know a lot of people jumped onto the EasyBoard bandwagon, where you would all just log onto one site, easyboard.com slash your forum, whatever, Vince's game, and you would just play by post. Play by so post, yeah. Day, what's that? What, Nick? So, okay, I just said play by post. I got you. Yeah, play by post. So when you would log into EasyBoard, say whatever requirements were. So say the person running the game said, I need you guys to check in at least twice a week. Twice a week, you'd jump in and you would look at the forums under whatever the current postings were to see what was posted by your fellow players or your DM. And then based upon that, you'd make your actions and post your actions. <laughs> EasyBoard was the best place to go because it was free. And uh, it was very customizable, very – there was a lot of really good boards made out of it that were – because you can go right into the back end and customize, I guess, the CSS or whatever it's called. I don't know. I'm not a web programmer. Which eventually got bought out by Yuku – I think it's called U, uh, Y-U-K-U now. Yeah, Y-U-K-U. I'm looking at the website. They're the uh, social community. You can go there and still do the same thing, but it's not as customizable anymore. That's gone. And eventually, uh, it also turned into other sites having, it, such as, uh, Chad, you were talking about Roleplay, uh, Roleplay.net, where you can go. Yeah, uh, there's a, it's probably been around for over 20 years now. Uh, I know I've been playing on it for 20 years. It's called Roleplay Online, and you can find it on at rpol.net. 
and they have hundreds of games going on at any given time. Some of them uh, might be dead, though. Mm-hmm. I've checked a lot of them. Well, I mean, the thing to do, though, is they have uh, – if you go into the forums, you can see, like, their classifieds. They'll have a wanted GMs and a wanted players. And if you go into the wanted players at any given time, I'd say there is a good 100 games that are that are recruiting actively to begin. Now, so you can find – I mean, just about any game you can think of. And, and if you can't find the game that you want to play and you, for some reason, you know, don't mind running it, you can you can post in the – you know, a lot of times uh, people post in the wanted GMs. They'll say, I'm really looking for somebody who will run Boot Hill. And then a bunch of other people will jump on that forum thread and they'll say, me too, me too. And then somebody will come on and say, I'll do it. And then, bam, you instantly have a party and a group and a game going. So that you have that website, which came around 2000, because I'm looking at their website right now, mm-hmm. serving the community since 2000. So we've, they've been around for uh, 13, 14 years now, which you can go in there and play by post. Beautiful community. I've played games on there before. Chad's played games. Uh, Matt, you played any games on there? No, I have not. Okay, no biggie. Uh, fun to play there. Good place. Yeah, I'm to- currently running a game there, actually. Okay, awesome. Uh, there's also RPGCrossing.com. Uh, which has a lot has about thirty thousand plus members. It is a play by post RPG forum area. Uh, they have a lot of D and D games: second, third, fourth, Pathfinder, GURPS, D twenty Modern, Serenity, Star Wars, uh, World of Darkness, and many more. Pretty good website. I've never used them, but uh, I've heard some good things about them. There's also the Unseen Servant Forum. You can go there, unseenservant.us slash forum, but it just kind of directs you after the U.S., which they're a friend of our forums. Uh, they're really good. They have a ton of games on here. I'm looking at them right now. And uh, you just got to sign up there and do a few posts, and I believe they'll let you have your own little sub forum to play a game. Uh, let's see here. There's also a place that I've played many times since I was able to get on AOL and Prodigy. It's called star-fleet.com. It's a Star Trek uh, bulletin board style or play-by-post style Star Trek role-playing game. It actually was founded in 1991. I'm looking at the about page. And they started on Prodigy. (laughs) Huh. Oh my god, Prodigy. I remember that. Me too. And they have uh, pretty much less than they used to have, but they have about six or seven different fleets on here that you have many ships and basically you'd have players and uh, one GM per ship along with uh, a captain and an executive officer and whatever else positions are on there. Uh, It's fun. It's a lot of work, especially when you get yourself, you actually have to work your way up to becoming a captain and having your own ship. You have to prove yourself and prove yourself reliable before you get that position. So it's actually something to work for. If you're really interested in that type of thing for like Star Trek, a lot of fun. I've been a GM also and a, a captain of a ship, so it's a lot of fun playing on here. Good people. They help you out. They, they, you know, they're not here to, you know, deter your role playing fun, but they want to show you a good time. I also skipped one other method that was way back in the early day. I'm not sure what year it started, but uh, Internet Relay Chad was also another place. People did a lot of role playing. Also, that's real time live chatting back and forth. Hmm. Yeah, now that sounds similar to the mushes, the multi-user shared habitats. 
I think mushes were late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. No, they were early nineties actually, because I remember when I first started playing them was my sophomore year in college in ninety one. Uh, I was playing City of Darkness, which was a vampire game uh, based in London, and I was also doing Amber Mush, uh, which has been around forever, uh, which is basically Amber Diceless, but it's it's still around as far as I know. Uh, but these they're they're kind of like a derivation of a mud. Mm-hmm. If you guys have ever played a mud, uh, multi-user, I don't even remember what the D stands for. They're more kind of action, just attack, you know, type I games. Kind of, like, I I always consider mud like like playing what is it? Uh, Zork, Zork, yeah, yeah. And you know that was another thing I was going to bring up was uh, Zork. If you really want to go back into the day, you know, the uh, mid '80s, early '80s uh, of of you know online gaming, I guess you'd say was Zork. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you you played against a computer and but, you could be eaten by a group, but <laughs> right. oh my gosh, yeah, I I remember Zork, yes. Yep. You know, totally text-based games. Right. Uh, I think MUDs had more graphics in them than Mushes did. Yeah. Mushes were more about the role play as opposed to the combat. Right. Yeah. And then this was also back when you had to connect via BBS. Yeah. Bulletin board name? services. You had to connect locally to your bulletin board service, dialing a number. Yeah. I remember my parents going nuts because to play them, and it was like, oh, it's every time you call, it's ten cents a call. It's like, oh. yeah, it wasn't that. Yeah. yeah, for me, fortunately, it was the time of unlimited calling when I was doing BBSs, because I was actually even doing BBSs up until like the late nineties. There was still some BBSs in Cincinnati I would call into. Mm. I always remember Tiny Mush. That was like one of the original Mush. Uh, formats or it was tiny mush <laughs> i thought that was a goofy name <laughs> so let's uh so we got over pretty much the history and everything like that let's talk a little etiquette now yeah. the dm or the gm will lay out the rules of the game you as a player obviously like a regular role-playing game are expected to follow these rules not a good idea <laughs> especially when you're playing play by post or even play by email, to keep posting over and over and over again. These are timely games that take a long time, so they're, you have to wait. If you're impatient, find a game that, that posts every single day. But if you're in one of those games where the DM says to you, I'm sorry, we're posting once a week or twice a week, don't play in the games. Because there's nothing worse than running a game and having this player that posts 400 emails in a matter of one span of action because they're impatient and want things to move forward. I don't know, Chad, have you ever experienced that with any of your players? Yeah, I have, and it's a very common occurrence. And uh, one of the things that I always do, and I always put, when I start a play-by-post game, I'll have a house rules thread where nobody posts in that thread. That's my rules. You're expected to read it and adhere to it. And one of the rules is you do not post twice. You post once, and then you wait for everybody else to do their action, you know, because you do not get to post once and then again before you have to wait for their response. Uh and in, that may take a while, you know. I mean, they're busy too. They have lives. Uh, they now another rule in my house rules is you know try to post at least once every two days. 
so you should never have to wait longer than than a day and a half or so to, to get your set expectations so they know. Exactly. And that's another etiquette as from a GM's point of view, etiquette is always to set expectations. Uh, you, you know, you, if you can't do that, your players don't you can't get mad at your players if you didn't tell them what to you know, what rules to adhere to. Uh, I'm actually logging into my game right now and looking at my house rules thread. Uh, and, you know, things like players are expected to behave in a civil manner to one another. Well, no why don't you stop sniping. Well, we're going to. The next yeah, session. we can save that a little bit, but but definitely that does come up uh, where you you have people that will try to double post, and you have to say, look, which one are you doing? You can't do both because you have to let the other guy respond before you can do another action. I found it helpful to have the in character posts where you the, all the action is you know regulated by the GM. And then if the player wants to do a what they call a character development thread where, say, for example, they're all sitting around the campfire and something's about to happen. There's obviously there's time period where characters just talk and chat with each other. If you are one of those people that just has to post, go in there. And if you usually there's one or two players that have to post, those two people will jump in that thread and just do talking back and forth. So there you go. There's your little solution to a little bit of fun. To have real time or whatever. Cool. I'm trying to think what else we have. That was mostly the etiquette. Also, try to uh, don't post in funky colors if you have to. Uh, usually, the GM will put the etiquette out there, which Chad will talk about in a few minutes. But uh, try not to do too much out of character chatter during your posts via email or via post by uh, by forum. It gets rather annoying to see like three lines of out of character and then one line of my character walks over to the rock. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there's different style ways of posting, which we'll get into that in the uh, DM rule section, which is more of the etiquette of the DM side, because the GM will have to determine how the players post things. I don't know. Anybody have any questions or follow up things? Well, I did a little research, and I found out the Forgotten Realms play-by-mail, the Hyborian Wars, and they also did a gladiatorial combat one are still going on. That's awesome. You can go wow. to reality.com. What an amazing domain to have. Really? And still sign up. It's called reality.com? Yeah. Wow. Whoever got that domain it must be uh, getting offers from everybody. Yeah, because the, they've been running since 1984, these games. Holy mackerel. Wow. Yeah. And the fact that they actually still have the Forgotten Realms license. Yeah. That is very cool. Well, I don't think they really need a Forgotten Realms license. To no, they actually game. use the Forgotten Realms artwork <laughs> and logo. It's because they had to change their name. It was originally their Gladiator game was called Dual Masters. Then Wizards of the Coast released Dual Masters card game. So they had to change their name to Dual 2. So somehow they still have permission to use Forgotten Realms. Well, it's just like if I run a play-by-mail game, I could still use the Forgotten Realms For logo. profit? They what? charge you. <laughs> yeah, but you're not being... You're not really... The, I think you get away with its technicality, though. Uh, no, they actually use Forgotten Realm art. They use... It's then the names, the trademarks, and... Then all I could think of is if they have some type of deal that went with TSR that carried over to Wizards. Right. Must have. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, under the yeah, because their license agreement was from 1995. Is that what it says? Okay. Yeah, I'm on oh. their page right now. Yeah. So they it must have just been one of those existing uh, licenses that got carried over. Who knows how that was? Or it got completely looked over by Watsy when they took over TSR. Right, Maybe they it just got, was yeah. under the radar. Right, they're <laughs> pro- they're probably writing them a small check anyway because at this point it's played by mail. It's not like Watsy will ever get into that field, and it's probably True. exclusively for play by mail. So, mm-hmm. at that point, it's just an extra little bit of money they make every year. Eighty five. That was just when Gary was pushed out. 84. No, actually, this is 84, so he was still around. So maybe Gary thought of it was something cool, gave him the license, and said, what the heck? Yeah, you never know. So, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Sign up there and check them out. I uh, think that's really about it for player side. So let's head into some DM rules and uh, talk about the GM side. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, but are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. And now we are in DM rules, and we're going to actually talk about running a game. Be a play-by-post or play-by-email. I mean, a lot of the prep is going to be like running a tabletop game. The biggest thing that'll dip differ is one how are you going to handle dice rolls do you have trustworthy players do you trust them to tell you the numbers or you can go and there's a lot of online tools for automated uh, dice rolling that was a lot of questions i had in my head yeah there's one if you uh pbegames.com is just a great depository for resources for anyone looking to run a game online they have name generators they have dice rollers they uh for various systems, you can even roll your fudge dice on this site. Uh, but with this, with the dice rollers, the way they work is you actually put in when you roll the dice, it generates like a code saying this is your dice roll and says it's authentic. And you fill in, put in the email address of your GM. So as you ro- hit roll, it emails your dice rolls to your GM. Oh, it, wow. And then yeah, it all- I've used those before. They they are really neat. You can't fudge them because I mean it doesn't email it to you. You 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 hit OK roll. You set your criteria in there, and it emails it directly to your GM. Right, and usually there is a note area as well, so you can type in this is for this attack or this uh, skill check or whatever you're using it for. So you even make a note of that in the roll. Uh, what I've also found is useful when doing combat just to speed things up. Go ahead and assume you hit and roll your damage as well. Hmm. So that way you're not, okay, post, I rolled for hit. Here's what I rolled. Wait for a response. Okay, now roll again damage. Just roll them all at once. That's actually very good that you mentioned that, Matt, because that's something that when I run a game – and I think a lot of the guys that are experienced running games play by post, we almost always say, roll your damage also. You know, if you don't hit, don't worry about it. I'll ignore it. Right. But we're just saving a ton of time by right. doing this. And I was also going to say, a lot of these uh, play by post sites do have dice rollers built into them. Say, uh, roleplayonline or poll.net, they have a dice roller built into it. 
uh, and you can't you can't lie on it. You know, right. I mean, you put the dice you're going to roll, and if the GM says I'm going to make all the rolls, which I do because again, it saves time. Uh, the players see it; they know that I'm not. You know. I'm putting in the information. I'm hitting enter, and it's saying what the result is, and it's completely random. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, the only time I've ever done play by uh, post was it was actually just on like a PHP forum we specifically made for a play test. So any off topic, uh, out of character chatter was confined to a separate forum. So if you have the ability to make multiple forums, so that way you can have, okay, this forum is for character creation. That way you don't have to scroll through like 50 pages of posts to find what is actually going on. And then as we advance through different parts of the adventure, we would close out one forum and create a new one for the new area of the world we're in or what we're right. currently doing. So Let's see, with emails, it was a little bit more difficult to do that, so... With etiquette for emails, we used to have anything in parentheses was considered out of character. Anything in parent, anything out of parentheses was considered in character. If you were talking, obviously you would either pick first person or third person, depending on what the GM decided. Right. Using proper quotes, actions were done with asterisks, uh, beginning and front and end. I should say front and end. Uh, sometimes GMs wanted different colors; it didn't really matter. Some of those of the time, but. Out of character was always usually kept to a minimum of maybe one line if need be. Right. Uh, dice rolls were inserted into emails, obviously, sometimes depending on how what, what system you used. Um, Matt suggested a few. Chad did. So it uh, depends on what you're using. Yeah, I think that the key is just for all of that type of bookkeeping and organizational stuff, just put a little thought in before you even start the game so everyone knows exactly what what the procedures are before they get involved. And that way you're, you don't start the game then realize, oh, wait, there's way too much uh, out-of-character chatter in this uh, current thread, and it's just making things confusing. Or, people are for, or maybe people, you've experienced players, but they've played in different under different rules. So therefore their way of say, saying out of character is different from someone else's. And that starts confusing people. Just think of ways to standardize what's in character, what's out of character, how the roles are being handled and just be upfront with that. Yeah. If it's played by email, obviously have a website with all the rules laid out. So in case people forget, they could just jump over there, Look up what they need to do. If it's played by uh, post, obviously you put them in a post, separate post. You can even lock it if you want and let people ask questions in the out of character. Right. Just so they have – and if you update it, make sure you put a you know a little note in there that says uh, rules updated. So when the players go to the forum, they see the little logo indicating it has a new post so they right. can go and take a look. Right. Also, And also think of how will you handle if a player disappears for an extended period? Do you want the game to come to a screeching halt if someone disappears for five days? Or is that okay? Or will you, do you spell out, well, if you disappear, this is what will happen. Either yeah. you take over the character or if it's combat, you just do, well, default attacks. How, how will that be handled? And also be prepared. People do take vacations and stuff and go offline for a while. So you may have a player that hops out, at which point you would ask them, 
give me general instructions to handle this character while you're gone. I, yeah, you have to lay out every single rule. You have to think of every single angle before playing it. I would suggest going to various different other play-by-posts or different play-by-emails and just see generally what they have listed there, modify and uh, choose as you move on. Just make sure everything is up front and uh, everybody knows what they're doing so that there'd be no questions. And like Matt said, if somebody's missing for an extended period of time, you should, as a GM, try to email them or contact them via the forums, then jump to email. I would at least give a person a three-strike rule. You can have to keep record of this as a GM. Yes, it sucks, but you do. Give someone Because there's going to be people that, that are going to abuse the heck out of what you do. And I've seen it happen to me. I'm, Chad, did it ever happen to you? People abuse you with not showing up and then showing up and then things like that? Yeah, you know, it happens. Uh, you know, one of the standard things to do is is just like Matt was saying, you, you put in a disclaimer in your house rules saying, you know, uh, for instance, I have a standard house rules uh, disclaimer I use that says basically, I don't expect you to hang on this game every minute of your life. But if you cannot post once every two days, I retain full right to puppet your character. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, and, you know, and I have and I, I always put one final, uh, you know, I always bullet my house rules. But the final bullet usually says something along the lines of uh, this is a game for us all to enjoy. But if I'm going to be running it, I have to also enjoy it. And if you're making a lot of trouble in the game and, and making me not enjoy running you, I reserve full right to drop you from the game. Yeah. So if they start abusing the other rules that I've listed, I can always fall back on that one. So you definitely have to keep track of what's going on with your players. I've had players... Uh leave the game for like a week at a time and then not respond to emails and all of a sudden be like, oh, I was on vacation or, oh, this got sick, which is understandable. Sometimes things happen in life and you have to kind of give some leeway. But if you see a pattern happening, you kind of just have to put a stop to it and tell the person have a nice day in a nice way. Nothing you can do. Yeah, there's not much you can do in that situation, and and you know I'm I'm guilty of sometimes being a very absentee GM too when life gets in the way and I don't. But I I I try to make sure my players know what's going on in my life when I do that. So I mean, it does happen, and you'll notice if you join one of these games, it does happen in both directions. I've seen a lot uh, a lot of games on on our pool on uh, play by post. They'll be fast and furious for the first five to six months, and then it starts teetering out, and then it's usually gone. Yeah, what happens is burnout comes in, uh, especially with the fast and furious games. You, uh, I mean, a play-by-post can be slow, but it can be almost as fast as tabletop if everybody is online at the time and quickly responding. Uh, but what happens is a lot of times the flame that burns twice as fast – burns out twice as fast and and these gms myself included it's happened to me before uh you you get to a point where you're just like ah, i don't want to play this game anymore i i really want to run star frontiers yeah. and and you got this whole idea in your head and yet you have this other game that you're supposed to be running and the rule of etiquette is to let your players know hey guys I'm getting burnt out or life is really hitting me right now. I don't have time. 
maybe somebody else wants to take over the game. And and really, it's about the same as in a tabletop game. Yeah. Yeah. People burn out. It's easy to burn out on these games. And I've seen them last as little as a couple weeks. It just all depends on the players and the GM. So you have to. I'm going to say go an extra step when prepping for these games than a normal weekly face-to-face game. Only because it just seems to just die out real quickly as you think you have all these great ideas and then time moves on and you're just like, meh. Right. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, these are not your best friends that you meet up with face-to-face every week and can call up on the phone and say what's happening. These are names on a computer screen, and unfortunately, it does seem easier when you're doing it that way to just say, ah, treat it like a, these are not living people on the other side and, you know, and just, you know, stop playing. It happens. Uh, so if you do decide to get in a play-by-post, you need to have that mindset already, have the thick skin that, you know, it may be a great game and it may end after three weeks. Or it may last 10 years. I ran my Amber game for close to five years on our poll at one point. And my D&D game that I'm running right now has been going on for about the last two years. Uh, so a good idea if you're going to do this is you try to look at the GM's other games. How, how long does he tend to run uh, a game? Uh, and, you know, I've, I, like I said, I've had five-year games, two-year games, but I've had, had one-month games, you know. Some games, and it's not always the GM. Sometimes the players don't post very often, and the GM just says, well, you know, if I'm going to put all this effort into a game and the players aren't even posting that much, I'm done. I'm going to go look, uh, start a new game or look for a new game. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, look, try to find out what their batting average is. You know, Sometimes you know they're that. new GMs and you don't have a batting average, so you kind of just got to go too. with it. Yeah. And, and yet that new GM... He may be a 20-year DM veteran, uh, and he's just doing play-by-post for the uh, first time, and he may be your 10-year game. Or he could be the guy who jumps into it thinking he's all, I've been DMing for 35 years. This will be easy. And then after about a week goes, oh, crap, what did I get myself into? Right. And then Yeah, exactly. Yes, Matt? Yeah, I mean, with this, I would almost, as a DM starts scheduling time even though my players may not have a set time they're going to hop in and post but i'll be like every day i will post something about the campaign at this time just and just hit be consistent so that way your players also know okay the daily update will be at this time i need to check and see what's going on well, Matt, you know, I, I think you're on to something there, but there, the one reason why I like play-by-post and one of the biggest drawing factors of play-by-post is the flexibility to schedule. Right. And if you do – if you say I'm always going to post at 5 o'clock, mm-hmm. right, every day. Right. Yeah. That wouldn't work for me because if that – if I had the – if I had, had the ability to say that I'm always going to post – I'm always going to be online at 5 o'clock to do this – well, then I might as well do something like Roll20 where I'm online and just do it live or do it via Skype or something well, like that. Well, I'm not even saying you have to be online and composing it. I'm just saying that's when they know they'll see it. It's, it's kind of like I how you schedule a blog that, post. Though. My work schedule may may preclude that. It, it may be that I just can't do that. And that's why I do play-by-post because it's it's so flexible around your schedule that – 
and and I hear what you're saying, and that is, and that may be. I, I think there even are some people who do it that way. I'm just saying yep. though that one of the appeals of play by post mm-hmm. is this pure flexibility to schedule. It it just warps right. around your schedule, and if you can't make it at five o'clock. You know, uh, I mean, part of why you would be doing play by post is because you don't have the time to say that I'm always going to be, you know, like this, I guess is what I'm saying. Matt, maybe Matt referencing every day at five o'clock, the guy, he, Matt gets home from work every day. He has about 45 minutes to spend doing this before it becomes family time, dinner time. So that's his unwind. And every day at five o'clock, boom, Matt will be there posting. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Family time. That's the end of it. Right, but don't expect every one of your players to be able to. No, no, I'm just talking as as the person running it, so that way you can say, you can set aside your time when you know you should be free nine times out of ten. You may even say like every other day or whatever fits you running it, so that way your players have a little bit of a schedule. Mm -hmm. They know you're on, whether or not they follow it, that's up to them. But I think that might give them a little nudge to know. Okay. When to expect the post. Right. When to expect the post. And also, since you're on a schedule, they might start saying, well, you know, I can set aside this much time to respond to it. Yeah. And it doesn't take much time to respond to these. And that's another drawing point of play by post is that you only need about as long as it takes you to write out an action, you know, during the day. Right. Uh, We're talking, what, five minutes, 10 minutes out of your day. And then you're back to doing what you need to be doing. Now, for a GM, it takes a good deal longer, actually, right. because you're no longer writing. I, one thing I found out by playing uh, play by post is that from both sides of the table is that if you're a player, it doesn't take hardly any time out of your day. Uh, and then that's why a lot of players start to say, well, where's that GM's post? Well, the GM, on the other hand, is having to look at, say, seven different people's posts and formulating what the uh, posing action is or figuring out how this is fat. All their posts are factoring into just walking down the tunnel, per se. It takes and it could be an entire paragraph for the GM to get out. So it may take him an hour to formulate his response because he's going to answer everybody at one time in one post most of the time. But then again, he may have that and he may have private messages that were sent to him. And now he's got to start addressing all the private messages on top of that. The player doesn't have to do all that, but the GM does. So the GM needs a lot more time to formulate their response. I definitely know as a GM, I've sent messages to players of what to expect from a situation and have to respond to those and include those in my post as well. So it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, one thing I will say, uh, and I think it, it, to a large degree, most of your players, if, if your game continues on, they're going to pretty much figure out your schedule because – For instance, I tend to post always in the morning. Uh, They can pretty much assume that if they haven't seen a post from me by 3 o'clock, they're not going to that day because I don't really post, uh, you know, in the afternoon. But they can get up in the morning, log into their computer, and they should see a post because I usually post in the morning. And that's just because that's my schedule. That's how it always seems to come out. And over time, even if I don't say that's when I'm going to do it, they're going to notice 
that's the repetitive pattern. But a lot of times, and it is a good idea as a GM to put in your house rules that you tend to post in the morning. Right. I don't know if I put an exact time, but I would say I tend to post in the morning, so mm-hmm. look for that. Or I tend to post in the afternoon. Right. Yeah. The- Another tip for a GM is when you do post, don't leave it so open-ended that a character or I should say a player can just start assuming things and start taking actions for the situation. Like I played with a GM who said one of my characters was a modern-day campaign. He's like, you're sitting at a table with with the Bullbot characters and you notice a man swipe a necklace from whatever, a woman, and start running. What do you do? It's just like, uh, that's kind of open-ended. Okay, I chase after him, and that's pretty much your post. You can't say, I chase after him, I tackle him to the ground, and I punch him in the face and ask him a question. You know, maybe the GM has more plans in store. Don't leave open-ended things like that. Try to describe a little bit more, and the player that you're directing this to, try to send him a message to let him know what's going on as well so they can direct their post properly. So it's a lot of work behind the scenes as well. And that's all about that. Wow, a lot of stuff, guys. Yeah. I listen, oh, Nick, you're I'm, here? I'm in on no, well, it's well, this is like all new to me cuz I I don't do play by post or you know play by email type stuff. So a lot of this, you know, about etiquette and and also preparing for a game, this is all new to me. So this is really good information for Yeah, and here. if you actually decide to run like a module through a play by post, now you can actually use that flavor text. Just copy ah. and paste it. So there oh, is yeah. a, there I is love a use. play by post because you can actually as a GM attach pictures. You can you can attach photos, which I do. You can you can really think out. You can look at what everybody's doing and then you can sit there and you can actually think out how you're gonna answer all this stuff. You have the time to do it. Uh and as a player you have the time to do the exact same thing. Uh, but you can put the flowery prose in too, which is always kind of nice. Right. Uh, you know, I love that's another big drawing factor is that you could you can make a detailed <laughs> post. And if somebody, you know, I hate this at the game table when as a GM, you go in a great detail about something. And then you get you go around the table for actions, and you realize this one guy is just he wasn't even listening. He's doing something that you're like, "What? He's Did texting you even or listen to what I said?" <laughs> well, the same thing happens in play by post, except now you can say, "Dude, go back to what I wrote two posts ago," because he'll be like, "And this happens." What the are we doing? Will be like, "What do you mean? I can do this," and you can be like. What part of what I wrote two posts above did you not understand? And then they go back and they go, oh, I didn't read that. Yeah. Why didn't you read that? You know, I took the time to write it. You should take the time to read it. Uh, but, you know, and essentially they have no leg to stand on at that point to rules lawyer you because they didn't read your post. Yeah. GM etiquette to recap uh- – Set your expectations, set your rules, make sure everyone's clear on everything. Things may be adjusted as you move on. Just make sure everybody is on the same page with everything and read your posts. <laughs> Plan ahead. I don't know what's more to say about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it pretty much covers it because it the foundation is still that of a tabletop game. That all you're doing is changing the medium which through the information is transferred. 
Exactly. It should really be handled much like that. The only other ones, as far as etiquette, I would add, and this is just from experience and seeing how this can get weird <laughs> with some of these players you don't know. Uh, one, I always put in no thought sniping because because it's, people are writing, they feel like they can they can talk about. Well, I th- I think he's evil or, or or blah 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 blah. You know, and and then they say, well, I never said it. I'm like, <laughs> I always say, you know what? Nobody here is psychic, so we shouldn't know what your character is thinking. Please don't tell us what your character is thinking, or I'm going to make it an obvious look on your face that everybody can get. <laughs> so yeah, we call that, we call it thought sniping. Yeah. Uh, another one, and this is the one I thought uh, everybody, I love this. Somebody else put this in their house rules, and I adopted it because I loved it so much. Because you can get some really weird players trying to work out life issues of their own life. Oh, and God. so I put in, I am not here to help you work out your issues in real life. Nor is my game a place to release your inner freak. If you are the type of player who enjoys shocking others for the sake of shocking others, this is not the game for you. If you are the type who creates a character but just wants to roleplay weddings and luncheons, this is not the game for you. (laughs) You know, uh, your in-character parents did not molest you as a child. Please do not bring that into my game. I do not want to know anything that is R-rated or worse about your character or how you feel about your own life within my game. And I I put that in there, and, and, you know, it sounds funny, but you really need to do that. Oh, my gosh, I put that... I would even put that in a regular face-to-face game. You know, like, I've seen that in face-to-face games. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. There. Right. You know, I'm not a psychologist. I'm the GM. Right. Yeah. Or, or, we're, or, or we're a couple role-playing at the tables working out their marital issues. That's always fun. Did Ugh. you have your game, Matt? Uh, yeah, did, no. Had, someone had that in one of their games. Was that you, Nick? Um, I've seen it. <laughs> Someone on our show in the past had that problem. I don't. It Jason? Wasn't, I don't think it was Jay. I th- I'm trying to think it was either you or it was Nick. No. I think it was me. We had in my group a there was a husband and wife who uh, I, I they're no longer with the group. <laughs> let's just oh, say, let's just put it that way. <laughs> one more biggie. I should mention, and this this is big, uh, and this happens all the time in play by posts. It's very bad etiquette, and I put a rule in finally this one that says while this game you tag your game in a lot of these sites, you know, like they're based on how much explicit uh, explicity you're going to allow within that game, right? Uh, so if and and and. I know on on Roleplay Online has what they call the the kind of the the top level of it, which is tagged adult. And if you have to be 18 years of age, you have to send in, you know, this is how old I am. You know, I'm I'm legally allowed to view explicit material. But even then in my games, I put in a little thing that says uh, this is not Cinemax. This is a game. (laughs) So – Keep things that would be Cinemax off. This isn't Cinemax after hours yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This I, is a role playing game, not a slash fic. 
exactly. I do not want to see you posting with another player about how things are happening. You know, I, nobody cares. Keep that between yourselves. You can send a private message. I don't care, but it better not be on my game. Simple fade to black works. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. You're with the barmaid and fade the black. <laughs> and that, but that can happen because, again, you don't always know the people that are post, you know, that have asked to join your game. You have to trust that they're good. These are not your best buddies, you know, that you're meeting every week. Right. And and I swear there are some strange ones out there that will, you have to tell them. No, you, know? you don't. Really? There's some strange yeah. ones out there. Yeah. I, I just tell them straight off. That's your best rule. This stuff ain't going to fly on my game. Most 90% of players are cool. But there are a few oddballs when they release their inner freak out there. <laughs> hmm. All right. I guess that's going to wrap up this show this week about uh, Play by X. We'll call this show Play by X, yeah. right, Matt? Yeah, I have it Play by dot, dot, dot. That works. Play by dot, dot, dot. That works for the name. Play by telegraph? D, 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 D. Well, actually. <laughs> Play we... by Morse code. Yes. It's. It's the steampunk version. Yeah. This is it. Well, hey, do you think that, do you think in the old days cavemen used smoke signals? Oh. Play by smoke. I doubt it. <laughs> doubt it, doubt it. Anyway, that's gonna end the show this week. Uh for those of you that signed up for my online actual play podcast, that'll be starting very shortly. I actually probably be started by the time this comes out. I don't know when this actually comes out to show. So uh, those involved, get ready. We'll have some fun. And uh, yeah, keep original, keep it old school. Good night, everybody. Good night. Hey, everyone. Podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative. 